done. So yeah, I'm grateful for that. But, you know, speaking honestly, I know that I do not have it all together. I was just telling my daughter the other day, I feel like I'm spinning plates and Welcome to Authentic On Air with Bruce Alexander. On today's show, I'm sitting down with Regina Joy Lane. Wife, mother, successful entrepreneur, and community enthusiast, I'm excited to see where this conversation goes today. But first, today's reflection. As you build or integrate anything new into your life, what role does authenticity play in your implementation? For example, I have started a new workout regimen, and it was important for me to scale way back from previous programs I have done because they were motivated by fear and shame, and they were very hard for me to sustain. <clears throat> I know what I want for my fitness, pro- my fitness plan now because I know how to honor myself better. Do you think about things this way? Why or why not? As always, I'm genuinely interested and would love to hear any interesting, surprising, or revelational insights uncovered, so you can hit me up on Instagram, Facebook, Threads, or LinkedIn at Authentic Identity Management. <clears throat> Okay, so I'm pushing into a growth phase now. Regina and I have only had one real conversation to speak of, and she struck me as somebody who has it together. So I'm trying to step my interview game up because this isn't just my buddy doing me a favor. This is Regina Joy Lane. Welcome, Regina. Thanks for being here. I'm so happy to be here with you as well, Bruce. Um, but let me be the first to say I do not have it all together. <laughs> let's just start. Let's start off right. <laughs> it, it's funny. I mean, that's that's a, a really important thing about perception is that we all think that somebody's doing it better than us. Oh, we? yeah. A million people. I can give you a million people who are doing it better than me. <laughs> Well, from our conversation, I thought you were doing it pretty well. And you've got some some pretty solid success to to say that you're doing something right. I'm I'm grateful for the things I've been able to achieve. Um, I am an ambitious woman, so of course I want to do more. Um, but yeah, I think I can look back and and say, okay, I was able to get that done. I did that. Yeah, you did. Or uh you know, I was able to achieve that and I'm, I am grateful. So I'm not, I'm not one of those people that is like, oh, you know, just sort of this fake humility all the time, you know, right. like, oh no, I don't know how it was. No, I worked my tail off to yeah. get that done. So yeah, I'm grateful for that. But, you know, speaking honestly, I know that I do not have it all together. I was just telling my daughter the other day, I feel like I'm spinning plates and some have fallen, some are wobbly. Mm. Um, I'm trying to figure out where I can get more plates. (laughs) But I've never felt like, oh, all the plates are spinning at the same time. Look at me. Like I've never, I've never felt like that. Do you think you would find comfort if all the plates were spinning? No, what is that? I've heard this Brene Brown quote where joy is like the scariest feeling, which consequently is my name. Like (laughs) joy. But when I'm watching this, she says it's the scariest feeling because when people feel joy, they're like looking over their shoulder, like, when is it all gonna fall apart? Now, I wouldn't say I thought that was interesting to hear, but I wouldn't say that I ascribe to that uh, train of thought. Joy is my middle name. I do 
find a lot of joy in life. It's been a mental and a mantra for me from birth. Uh, a funny story that my dad named me Joy before he even knew I was a girl. Oh, really? Yes, because I danced around in my mother's room, still dancing to this day. <laughs> um, but I do. I am one that I'm always going to be looking for silver lining. I'm always going to be trying to find the positives in some of the ugliest situations. Mm. Um, and that's a gift I realize that most people don't have. And I thrive off of that. So joy has been a superpower for me. Um, but yeah, definitely uh, I could see how having all the plates spinning at the same time would be a joyful moment that would be like the ultimate <laughs> pinnacle of joy for me. I, I have yet to experience that. So there's something to uh, something to work towards. I, I, I have a bit of a theory about people thriving in chaos, but I do, I do want to chase down, but first let's uh, get a little bit more backstory with you. Mm -hmm. If you don't mind telling our listeners who exactly you are, what you're currently doing with your time and why you think you're here today. Hmm. That's a really, those are all three heavy questions. So <laughs> let's, um, who am I? Um, I'm Regina, um, daughter of Willie and Helen. Um, both of my parents are from the country. So we always joke about living in the city. I grew up in Greenwood, which is just in the shadow of downtown Tulsa. Um, on sacred ground. So I'm grateful for that. But we always had a very country life and lifestyle <laughs> um, in the middle of the city. Uh, we had a full-fledged vegetable garden. So I'm a I'm a bit city, a bit country. Um I'm number nine of 10 kids. So wow. Yeah. So I know how to adjust. <laughs> um and I'm a wife. I'm wife to Adam Lane. This is my second marriage. So I think that um, is a story in and of itself. Um, but I'm so grateful and happy to be married to Adam. I have three children from a previous marriage. So I'm a mother. Um, all girls. Um, I've been a mother to two international uh, students. Um so, and there are a lot of my kids' friends that call me mom. Yeah. Um, even at the, I worked at a school for a time and some of them even call me mom. So I guess you could definitely call me a mother. Um, but I'm also ambitious. I have dreams and things that I want to do, uh, places I want to go, people that I want to meet. Um, so I'm constantly on the go. I'm learning in this season of my life the value of rest mm. and restoration um, and pausing. Um, and let's see, who am I? What you're currently up to? What am I currently up to? Goodness. So I am currently up to uh, running my own consulting gig. So it's Regina Joy consulting and I consult on DEI and women's issues. I also teach workshops, uh, do some uh, keynote speaking 
as well as uh, curriculum that I can license out uh, and also running a podcast. So it should be launching officially in this month. So I'm really excited about that. Um, Before you go too far, for our audience who doesn't know what DEI is, would you explain that to them? Yes. DEI is an acronym for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. Um, I really specialize in creating inclusive workplaces. So that is uh, my passion. And I get to do it every day. And I'm very grateful for that. Uh, Just helping people get along, work better together so that everyone can feel safe and valued and heard in the workplace. Um, And the podcast is Woman Every Day, which is a podcast uh, that specializes in highlighting women who are mothering, who are ambitious, and who are also navigating relationships while trying to juggle uh, you know, being a parent (laughs) as well. So, uh, I think it takes a special kind of person to, uh, do what we do, um, because we don't do it all well. (laughs) Um, but we're still able to accomplish great things. So, um, that's what I'm up to now. And I think what brings me here today is, Hopefully, in our conversation that you saw something authentic in me, Um, I definitely saw authenticity in you. And uh, I'm I'm hoping that you're curious to learn more, just as I am curious to learn more about you. So I'm excited to be here. You answered that question so thoroughly. You you win (laughs) that question so far. I win. Yay. I love winning. Gold star. (laughs) Um, So you, you talked about, you know, the DEI. Is there a reason why that's especially uh, close to your heart? It is. Uh, I grew up in a family that was very diverse. I have both my parents who married before they got married. Um, I have two brothers that are biracial. Um, and then our just the spectrum of our family in general is very diverse. I mean, I've, I had a brother who was married to a Pakistani woman. Um, uh, they have a son. <laughs> uh, I think diversity is beautiful. I think that um, learning about different cultures is a beautiful thing. So I've always been very interested, which is how I ended up with both a Chinese and a South Korean uh, student living in my home. Um, I think that we can all learn something from each other and that everyone has value um, if we take the time to know it. So it's been a lifestyle for me, excuse me. And now that, uh, you know, when you look at the spectrum of the workplace and we spend so much time at work, right? Mm -hmm. Much more than say our parents or especially our grandparents um, work uh, takes up a lot of who we are. And I think for a long time, we were not allowed to bring our full selves to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's that sort of takes away from who we are to have to put on a different face for work. Now, up until, you know, the last 40 years, um, the workplace has been predominantly white. And there are obviously still many places that are predominantly white, but when you are not white and you're going into a workplace, um, it could be 
uh, very hostile, mm-hmm. um, uncomfortable. It can um, cause stress and anxiety uh, for a lot of different reasons. Sometimes that's intentional by some of the people in the workplace mm-hmm. to create an environment where you don't feel comfortable and you leave. Um, but I think we all know that's illegal. <laughs> uh, and then there are some people who do things unintentionally, either through implicit bias or um, just other ways that we have about us that we're not completely aware of. So for those people who want to create a place for everyone to feel comfortable, which by the way, diverse workplaces have greater productivity, um, they increase the bottom line, uh, so if you want a place that is bringing the best and the brightest to your workplace, then you want to create an environment where everyone can come in and thrive, that people feel comfortable sharing ideas and collaborating with others in the workplace. And so if you want to build an environment like that, you call someone like me mm-hmm. to come in and help dispel any um, hangups, any, uh, you know, implicit bias that may be there. And it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. The first layer is just becoming aware of it in the first place. So making it a safe place for people to be themselves. And it takes time and it takes intentionality and authenticity. Uh Um, And I think if more if more uh, leaders could just acknowledge the fact that we don't have it figured out, that uh, that is the best first step to making progress in creating inclusive workplaces. Wow. That's, um, that's really insightful. And you mentioned both uh, intentionality and Mm -hmm. authenticity. Mm -hmm. And I was going to ask you, so this is, as far as I know, the second leg of your successful career life. Like you, started a business and was able, were able to sell that off um, in both this new venture and the previous one, how important was it for you to be intentional about building authenticity into your, into your business as you were starting it from the ground up? You know, that's really good. I mean, right now this consulting uh, firm is really centered on me. Um, I mean, it's called Regina Joy. Um, a lot of it is birthed from my own experiences, Mm -hmm. being Black, being a woman in the American workplace, um, has yielded many different experiences. And so if I can make it better for me, um, then my hope is that it can be better for all. And we're not even talking about trans people who can't even enter into the workplace to begin with. So, I mean, like that's a whole nother conversation. Um, So it's like once the path is clear and clean for even trans people to come into the workplace and thrive, then we're really going somewhere. Um, But to go back to my first company, RJB's Concepts, it was a marketing company (laughs) Uh, that really started off as a uh, 
a stationery and gifts company because that's what I love. I love all things pretty. I'm a paper snob. I admit. Um, so uh, that is how I started RJB's stationery and gifts. Um, and I would design my own stationery and sell it online. Um, as a result, I ended up uh, one I'm self-taught graphic designer. Uh, started uh, building my own website, so I became a self-taught um, coder, developer, website builder, designer, all the things. Um, I know way too much. I can really nerd out. I mean, nerd out on some web development. Um, and as a result, I started getting clients like, who built your website? I did. Oh, can you build my website? Uh yeah, I guess, sure. I don't want to turn down any money. At the time, I was um, a stay-at-home mom, too. So I was like, sure, yeah, anything I can do to bring some revenue to this household. Um, so after I started building websites, then I started getting more business clients who were like, oh, can you do my letterhead? I need business cards. Uh, and then that ventured and spilled over into social media. So before too long, I had a full-fledged marketing company. I had eight employees um, and W-2 employees. Yeah. I just want to put that out there. Like that's a whole nother ball game. Um, I had office um, and we had corporate clients who were paying us, you know, monthly fees to handle all of their marketing. Um, we'd go in, we were doing video. Uh, so it was really birthed from my own experiences um, to a point where I even got away from the actual artistic practice of it, right? Because I ended up just sort of directing projects and had other people who were on staff. So it had a lot to do with my experiences and staying true to like what I wanted to do and um, how I wanted to do it. Sounds a little bit selfish, but uh, definitely authentic to <laughs> to me. And, um, you know, because people try to bring other things our way. And I'm like, mm, not so much interested in that. These are the things that we do well. We would dabble in a few things to see if we wanted to, you know, grow in certain areas. But after we created um, this full service marketing firm, I mean, things really took off in a big way. So was it how much it took off and you kind of lost the ability to focus on the creative that made you in the end walk away from it? Mm, really great question. So me walking away had a lot to do with everything that was going on in my life at the time. So I told you I'm on my second marriage, which means there was a first marriage. <laughs> yeah, <that's> <laughs> um, <laughs> And, you know, never thought I would ever be divorced in my life. I had married my high school sweetheart um, and we had been together since high school. Uh, we had been together over 20 years wow. when we finally divorced. But I could see I was feeling very stressed, very overwhelmed, trying to run a business Um take care of my employees. My marriage was falling apart. Um, and you talk about falling plates. I mean, they're just crashing. I, I don't, even the, 
the poles that the lights would spin on. Everything's falling. It's all falling. Um, so at that point, it's sort of like, okay, I've got to do what's best for myself, for my girls. Um, something's got to give. And it's not going to be me. And it's not going to be them. Like, that I know for sure. So, like, all this other stuff can get out of the way. So, when it came to the business, I said, you know what? I can't. I just had to have a very honest conversation with myself. I would rather give up this business so that I have more capacity to focus on. At that time, when I gave it up, I was trying to, like, can this marriage work? Can it not? Like, so focus on my marriage, focus on my kids and focus on my own freaking mental health mm. and peace. Like, good Lord, that was a very, very stressful time. Um, and I sold the communications arm to our communications person, sold the graphic design to the graphic design person. And that was that the rest of it? I just kind of let it go. I kept the web design because it was easy and lucrative. Um, and so I kept that um, and ended up getting a divorce, which was very painful and long. It was a three-year divorce and a two-day trial. A zero out of five stars. Do not <laughs> recommend <laughs> I, I definitely do not want to go on that ride if I can. Oh my God. No, no, no. And I, you know, and at the same time, I can stand on this side and say, I did everything that I could to save my marriage. Um, and also, I'm glad that I walked away. And also, even though it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, if I had to do it over again, I would. So, Really falling down that path a little bit, how much of, of that decision had to do with honoring yourself? Yeah, all of it, because mm. I was being gobbled up in the process, like mm. the stress, the weight. Um, so even and this is not why we got a divorce. And, you know, I, I want to pause right now and give props to my ex-husband. We did the very best that we could. <laughs> We did the very best that we could. Um, it just didn't work out for a number of reasons. Um, but I definitely saw, I saw myself fading away mm. in the marriage and not in a, I need a more prominent position or not that. I found myself becoming quiet, tucking away. Like I was, I was not myself. Mm. Um, and, um, we were not kind to one another and we, we went to counseling and we tried to do everything that we could to save it, but it got to a point where he was going to live his life the way he wanted to live it. And I had a choice. Do I want to co-sign on that? Mm. And I choose no. I think I have a lot more life to live. I'm feeling squashed and suffocated and like I am wilting away. And so I had to, I had to do something to save me. Mm. And I think there comes a point in everyone's life. I'm, I'm going to speak for women. <clears throat> but I think there comes a point where you realize uh, the Calvary is not coming. <laughs> you got to save you. 
you know, and I'm saying that I'm putting a lot of emphasis on me, but I don't want to take any emphasis away from my faith either. Um, I'm a believer in Christ and I, man, you talk about being alone with Jesus. Like that was a season where, you know, I think about the poem uh, Footprints, where I just saw one one set of footprints in the sand. Lord was carrying me through that season. So, you know, I'm definitely glad that I got through it um, and that we were able to bring the kids through it. But we all, everybody suffered through that time. And in a lot of ways, we're still picking up the pieces from from that season. Um, I'm grateful for growth um, and that we have gotten further away. And I'm grateful to have met and fallen in love with the man like Adam. He is like, I didn't know I could be like this. Mm. Like what in the world? So I'm very grateful to have a partner that here's a really good example. And this is, this is not a dig on my ex-husband. Cause like I said, this was just kind of how we grew up very much in a gender roles. So my ex-husband would work all day, come home, play video games. I would work all day, come home, cook, clean, kids, all the things. Good Lord. It was like chipping away at me. Marriage I'm in now, we both work all day. I could come home, he's cooking. Or maybe I'm cooking. Or maybe we're eating out. He cleans. I clean as well. He probably cleans more than I do. I'm sure if he were listening, he would be like, I clean more. <laughs> <laughs> um, he did the grocery shopping the other day. Sunday. I did it yesterday. Like, So there's definitely a shared partnership. I feel like mm-hmm. I have a partner. Yeah. So um, in the first episode we did, I was having a conversation with my wife. And she talked about the capacity to make herself small in situations. Mm-hmm. And what I'm hearing from your first marriage is that, I mean, you guys started as babies, basically. Mm-hmm. And as you as you both grew, you started to lose your capacity to grow as his as his shadow was casting over mm-hmm. you. And some people have the capacity to make themselves small for a goal or for, you know, an overall objective. But at some point you have to look at yourself and say, is this what I want? Is this to, what I want? Is this what I want? And it's, yeah. and it sounds like you had to make a choice and, and you really did try everything. We did. I think, cause first of all, we were both entrepreneurs. He yeah. had his own law practice. I had my own marketing firm. So we're both out here hustling. Like that entrepreneurial hustle is like next level. And God bless the, you know, if you have a spouse that is at home and kind of, kind of hold down the home front. That's great. Um, But it was both of us holding, you know, hustling outside the home, but coming home, it was just me. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's not the reason why we got a divorce. I I feel like that is uh, reconcilable, right? Right. Um, The divorce was really more about the vows that we made that weren't kept. Mm. And so um, at that point, it's sort of like, okay, I got all of this. I'm like, 
out here hustling. I'm coming home. I'm hustling at home. And you're not even keeping vows? Like, mm. um, it's a no for me. Um, and I will say it wasn't a quick no. It took years for me to get to that place. I mean, being a woman of faith, like oh, marriage God. holds a high regard. Oh, my God. Yeah. So to even once I'm walking away from a marriage, like, boy, like <laughs> that is years and years of of it's just not working well, like at all. I have tried it all. I'm a I'm a ride or die kind of girl. I'm definitely a long suffering. I wish I weren't, <laughs> but I am. Um, God just made me a little bit different. So um, yeah, I gave it all that I could. Uh, I mean, twenty years is a it's a good chunk of time. It is. So I mean, being able to walk away from that and look at it in a way in which you appreciate it as a life experience and you don't look at it as I waste, wasted 20 years of my life. I feel like that takes a lot of self-awareness and a lot of, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not humbleness is in the word. I feel like, <laughs> like, you know, but they definitely, well, the there's some humility humble. in there for yes, sure. The humility. That's what I'm looking for. And, um, you know, we were both well known in the community. A lot of people looked up to us and, held us as a couple in high regard. So it really hurt too. So how did that, how did you reconcile that part? Because that speaks a lot to you honoring yourself is saying, I know that you all think this about me because I'm part of this couple, mm -hmm. but I'm something different and it's not working for me the way everybody thinks it is. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I, quite honestly, I just don't feel like I owe anybody any explanations, you know, um, I'm in a private relationship. Um, what you saw is what you got. So, you know, no fake news over here. I certainly wasn't faking it. Um, I loved him for sure. Um, and still have love for him, but it just got to a point where this is not what, this is not the type of marriage that I want. Mm -hmm. Our ideas and ideals around marriage did not align anymore. And so I made my split. And anybody that has a thought or saw me in one way and then was shocked, you know, God bless you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm not going to lose any sleep over what you thought. I, and I kid you not, people came to me in tears when they would hear the news. I mean, they're crying. <laughs> I'm like, I have cried on my tears. Like, I'll just rub you on your back and, you know, God bless you. I'm so sorry <laughs> that you're hurt by this. Um, but it was a good choice for me. I will say this. I think it's important. Um, <clears throat> we've come a long way, my ex-husband and I. So much so that um, <laughs> he'll find this funny. On Sunday, he came to... Uh, my home and share and installed a new Wi-Fi network. Like he went to the store to go shopping for us, uh, my husband and I, and then came and installed it. It was a full circle moment. Wow. So we've we've come a long way. Um, we can chat about the girls, make jokes, and um, 
have a good time. So, and I know you can't speak completely for him, but do you think that your separation was something that led to a lot of personal growth for him as well? Oh, for both of us, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it really does take being outside of this, you know, this collective that you've been part of for so long to really be able to look at yourself and see how you haven't been what the other person needed. Yeah. And for me, I was, like I said, letting go of myself. Um, I needed to find myself. I was in a therapy session and um, the therapist goes, what do you do for fun? And I could not think of anything. Mm. And I just started weeping. What I want to be when I grow up. I just could not. pull it from anywhere and I was like oh crap I have completely let myself go trying to you know support my kids support my husband you know because he I was there through law school through starting his practice and all of that and it's like I have given up so much of myself that I don't have anything left for me and I love this my therapist said this at the time um and I still carry it with me. He said, you can't pour from an empty tank. Mm-hmm. I know many have heard this before. He said, but you have to fill your tank first. So my homework was to, excuse me, find something that I love to do and get involved. And that happened to be theater. Really? Long story short, my first degree is in musical theater. So I got back involved in the theater and from that, I have now also started a theater company. Really? Yeah. Wow. Just from getting back to what filled my tank. So, I don't know how you have time to also have a theater company, but that is, that's really amazing. It's all about the plates, man. <laughs> it's these plates. <laughs> so, so now if I were to ask you what you do for fun, would that be the answer? That would be one of the things I do for fun. So now there's multiple things. What did I say before? Well, no, before there was nothing. You didn't have anything to tell your therapist. For fun? Oh, yes. yes. Oh, so yes. Now, but now yes. you've got multiple things. <laughs> oh, my God. And yeah. I mean. Listen, my tank stays full. <laughs> but from a full tank, I can be a better mom. I can be a better wife. I can be a better friend, better daughter. Mm-hmm. If I have nothing to pull from, you're getting nothing. You're not getting the best of me. So, yeah, I keep my tank full. I love good food. I love nature. Like, that was something that I found during uh, going through the separation and divorce. Like, I didn't know nature was healing for me. So, Mm. you know, going out to the lake, taking walks, watching the sunset, listening to the water, lap against the shore, like birds, all of that. I had no clue. Hiking was never on my radar. Wow. And now your girl loves a good hike. Mm. Your girl love a good hike, okay? So I had no idea that was in me, but as I started to explore, trying to keep my tank full, now I know all of these things that I love to do. Like, so I, I take it as my duty as uh, the host of this show to really highlight moments and people who are doing the thing I want to see people live their life as. Mm-hmm. And for like one of them is enjoying it like so hearing you talk about like that you didn't know that you enjoyed nature so much you know yeah this whole situation right here i'm loving it that's why you just catch me out here like 
Yeah. <laughs> but I, like, I, I took this over for my wife. I can even take, you know, this is, <laughs> this is her space that she's shared with me because she, I might fight you for this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, I don't take it over all the time yeah, like, yeah, to yeah. record. I, you know, yeah. I take it over and I actually write in here sometimes now, mm-hmm. but she can come sit across from me if she wants to hang out. And, mm-hmm. and it's been nice. We, you know, sometimes we sit here and it's like, we're having a podcast cause we're just having discussions and it's, it's really opened us up. Because usually I was back in the office, which is mm-hmm. when the doors closed, like kind of let me work because mm-hmm. I'm focusing mm-hmm. on stuff. And I've, you know, I've also pivoted what I'm working on to where it's much more open to being conversive all the time. Because mm-hmm. like, I need to be a better conversationalist to be a good podcast host. Yeah. So, so I'm like, yeah, come on, let's talk. Let's just practice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen better. Um, so, but yeah, you really, you've done many of the things that... I, I would prescribe to people who are listening to the show, you know, which is kind of take stock of your life. Mm-hmm. Are you doing what you want? What are you willing to sacrifice to get, you know, your goals? Like you looked at all those things and then you had the courage to actually take those leaps and leave a 20 year long marriage, Scary. Which, which I don't, you know, I don't want that for anybody right. unless it's what you need. Right. And then, because, but some people it's what you need. Yeah. And for you then that moment, that's what you needed. So it's like, I really, love to hear that you were able to have that that courage to do that and then look at you now like yeah. so you were the perfect example of honoring yourself and then getting to see the benefits of it and you're living such a, a fulfilled life now yeah. absolutely and I'm grateful um you know I can look back and I can say oh, man I have learned so much along the way about myself about what it means to be a wife, um, what it means to be a mom. Uh, you know, I would love to think of myself as someone who is like keenly aware in the moment, but there are some lessons that you just don't get until well after the fact. And you look back and it's like, ah, the dots start connecting for you. And you just have to be so... For me, I'll speak for myself. I'm just so grateful for the lessons. I'm still learning, still evolving as a human. Um, And I want to be better. I want to be a better wife to Adam. I want to be a better mother to my kids. I want to be a better steward of what's been entrusted to me, be it work, business, clients, friends, family. Um, so there's growth, there's growth, there's room to grow and there's much to learn. So how important do you think growth is to being authentic? I think, uh, growth is essential to authenticity. Um, because if you're being real, um, there it there are seasons shoot every day <laughs> where you're like you know what i don't have all of the knowledge for this thing let's just let's take um running a podcast i want to be a podcast host um i want to do it well I want it to be popular. I want to share these incredible stories of my interviewees. Um, if I'm being authentic, I am one acknowledging this desire that I have, 
while at the same time also acknowledging the fact that, excuse me, I don't know, I'm not an expert in this. I'm starting off. And so if I am acknowledging the fact that there are things that I need to learn and I'm willing to just get started, growth will come. Absolutely. So, and as you grow, of course, you're learning more. You're falling or failing forward, as they like to say. Um, And you're willing to stand in the place of a student, which I think is very humbling to -hmm. say, hmm, how do you do this? Or why do you do it this way? To learn, watch your YouTube videos, ask questions and be okay. I think about Issa Rae. I love Issa Rae. If you're not familiar with who she is, she's an actress. Um, She was just in the Barbie movie. She was the chocolate Barbie. But I've been working with Issa Rae since The Misadventures of Awkward Black Girl on YouTube. Mm. Season one, episode two. I was there. Way back. Way, way back. Like this, we're talking, it had to be over 10 years ago because... (laughs) The Misadventures of Awkward Black Girl, she filmed that with her camera. And it's not the cameras we have on our phones now. Um, And I'm saying camera with her phone, but not the cameras that we have on our phone now. So it was really bad quality. Mm. And she was doing this herself. She wrote the script. um, She was filming it with her phone. um, And she produced this show. And it was so good. It was so funny. And each episode i think it's probably about episode seven season one where it's like oh we got some new cameras here right we got some lighting like it was grainy like and just to watch her evolve to go from i think there were five seasons uh maybe maybe seven it's a high number i know that much Um, But to do all of that, and by the end, she's got a production team. She's rolling credits. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. high quality, even though it's a YouTube show. Right. But that got the attention of cable networks who were wanting to pick her up. She had the pick of the litter. And because she wanted creative freedom, she went with HBO. And then we get Insecure, Mm. which is Quite literally, the misadventures of awkward black girl. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. Yes, it's like evolved, <laughs> but it's the same premise. You know, awkward black girl growing up, trying to navigate love and, uh, you know, work. Uh, and so, man, just to be willing to be vulnerable and say, I just want to, you know, make a TV show. Right. All I have is my phone. <laughs> Just being real with what she has and being willing to grow is huge and very uh, inspirational to me. Mm-hmm. And look at her now. Yeah, she's... Like, Issa Rae. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's Issa Rae. Like, she shows up, it's like, oh my God, she's the queen, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's, yeah, she's on, my, she's on my list of people that I'm like, if I can meet them, I would just want to ask all the questions. Yeah. So for me, the the whole podcast thing was it was a, it was a quick turnaround because mm-hmm. I had something to say, and this platform to say it exists, and I'd been 
you know, I'd never thought of this platform before. Mm-hmm. My wife said she'd been thinking of me for, we've been for podcasting for many years. And mm-hmm. I was like, should have told me. I, mm-hmm. I never even considered it. She's like, you love talking to people mm-hmm. and you are good at it and you, you're smart and, you know, you're doing all these things that don't really, uh, that don't really use your talents well. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, well, let's do a podcast. Yeah. And, you know, because of the thing, the other things I'm good at being, tech savvy, mm-hmm. you know, being able to pick things up quickly. In the first week after we made a decision, I had made my first podcast episode. And that's, <laughs> and, you know, I know that there's going to be a growth curve. There's going to be things I'm going to learn. It's going to get better as it goes. Getting the audience is going to be the hardest thing for me because I know that there's, there's content that so many people can appreciate. So many people can learn, grow and heal from it's just getting it in front of those people. Yeah. And that's like, that's the piece that I'm, that I really feel like I'm missing is the marketing part. It's like, I know how to do it for other people, but thinking about it for myself, it's so frustrating whenever you're creating a thing, then you got to get it out in front of people. It's like, oh God, yeah. It's awesome. like, yeah, <laughs> but it I'm is hard. To do it. Yeah. I'm to excited to do it. yourself. I'm excited for you as well. I'm excited for yours. I'm, I'm excited to hear the first episode. Me too. I just, I was editing last night. So you talk about learning and growing. I'm like, man, in my mind, I thought I would edit it in audition, mm-hmm. Adobe audition, but I ended up like through trial and error. I think I'm going to just be editing it in um, Final Cut Pro. Really? Yes. And then uploading that video. I'm doing a similar thing. I edit in Premiere. And so uh, Adobe Premiere. Yeah. You know, I have the video portion and then the podcast portion because I looked at Audition and I was like, it's not as close as I thought it was. Like, I know I've used it before, but if you're really trying to, you know, really get good audio, I don't know how to... They have a podcast filter in Audition, which is why I was like, oh, yeah, we're doing this Mm -hmm. in Audition. And I have this new laptop and the microphone on this laptop, I don't even need a plug-in mic. Oh, wow. It is so good. I I don't know what laptop. I mean, it's it's a MacBook Pro. Um. It's the M2. Okay, I mean, it's brand spanking new. Okay. I spent. I want to talk about. <laughs> I spent on this laptop, but um, yeah, it's maxed out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I did not know that um the microphone would be so good, and so because of that, now the next, which you know, unfortunately, the first. Two videos are going to be SD. I thought I was filming in 4K, and I don't know how that happened. Mm. So we'll see. I'll be uploading oh. for hopefully today. What I what I've found so far is that 4K is not necessary for YouTube. Right. Like you can, I mean, unless, it can be 1080. It can be 1080, and right. I think it's more. It's more than good. It doesn't look grainy, and also my wife told me she's like the video doesn't need to be great. Right. Like people who are watching a podcast video just want to see a little action as they're listening. Yeah. They're probably washing dishes or they're probably doing something else. It doesn't need to be great. And I was, you know, cause I'm thinking, you know, I could be high quality. Like I could really, you know, cause right now I've got a light set up, but it's mm-hmm. just so the glare from outside doesn't make me look like a, you know, a half egg face. Like it was really bad. The first one I was like, okay, I've got to balance this out some, but it's like, I could bring in studio lighting and really try to do the whole thing. I was like, 
it's really about getting the podcast out and the yeah. video, like I'm hoping the video allows more people to hear the podcast, Right. but it's really not about, about that. Yeah, yeah. It's not about getting more video users. It's about getting more people to listen to the podcast. Yeah. And so I'm just like, let it go. Yeah. You don't have to be perfect in everything. Just try to like have a good interview. Yeah. Like that's, that's what I'm trying to be in control of now. Like do your research, ask good questions, listen better, focus on those things. <laughs> yeah. Instead of, you know, being paralyzed and not making a move at all mm. because it's not perfect. Right. Which, what is that? Exactly. Um, this wife of yours. Yes. She's smart. She is. She's I so do. smart. I mean, she kept me. So, I mean, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> There it is. That, that's probably her dumbest move, is that she, she did not, not get all. she you're, had the chance. You are good people. Well, good only people. because she made me that way. She had to she had to stay through a lot. She yeah. had, you know, very patient. And I've talked a little bit about my story, but when we first met, I was I was falling apart. Yeah. Like I was version I think I said that's about version one of myself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because everything before 18 is just, it's just gathering data and yeah. then trying to create a version. And then yeah. that first version was just so self-absorbed and yeah. also just terrified of commitment and being, being there for someone. And she saw through my BS and supported me. Yeah. I mean, she really, yeah. she really has brought me to a, a pretty good version of myself and I, I don't give all credit to her because I have done the work but yeah. without her support I wouldn't be yeah I don't even know if I'd be here I mean a good spouse will can change your life absolutely quite honestly so it sounds like you definitely have a winner 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 chicken dinner. I know like absolutely <laughs> I, I'm not letting her go if I can help it unless she tries to go yeah <laughs> At that point, you need to beg, and that's okay. Yes, <laughs> I, I will. I will beg. I'm not above it. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I don't know what I am by myself. <laughs> that's. I do know what I am by myself, unfortunately, and it's not great. Mm, yeah. So now I think you know I've I've learned and grown enough to where I could survive a life of my own, but I just know that I wouldn't be nearly as happy as I am with my partner. Yeah, like that's you know. What's that line, uh, Jack Nicholson? I want to say it's as good as it gets. And he says, you make me want to be a better man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I love that line. When you meet someone that like, man, you make me want to be a better person. Mm-hmm. Adam's like that for me. That's so good. He makes me want to be a better woman. That's so good. And that's, you know, I think that's having something that makes you want to improve upon yourself mm-hmm. is really important in life. Yeah. And for it's not going to be another person for everybody. But I hope that people out there are trying to find that thing that makes yeah. them want to elevate themselves, whether it's your kids or your spouse or your your dog or your career or whatever. Yeah. But there's something that is driving you to be a better version of yourself, because when we when we just stay stagnant, then, you know, what, what are we even doing here? You know, that's for me, the whole process of our transitory life is to try to get better. Yeah. You know, try to try to win at being yourself. It was like, am I the best version I could be? Not yet. Let's keep trying to improve. That's good. I like yeah. that. It's a, it's a great conversation so far. We're winning this conversation. Yay, winning again. <laughs> so is there ever been a time during this uh since your first marriage, as you've, you know, started to really lean into yourself and, you know, appreciate who you are, that it didn't pay off for you, where you kind of Ooh came into static because you were willing to lean into yourself excuse me um that's a really interesting question 
And I'm, I'm going to be a little quick in responding. I'm sure getting into more thought, it, it may change, but I am just a firm believer that all things are working together for my good, mm-hmm. <laughs> like all the things. And so um, have I made mistakes? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, have I, if I could go back and do some things over again, would I do it differently? Absolutely, for sure. Um, and yet um, it took going through those things to learn the lessons that I gleaned from that. Mm-hmm. Case in point, I am in a life crisis. <laughs> and that's not true. Uh, I have just come to the realization that something that I believe so strongly in if I could go back and do it over again, I would. Okay, so I won't be cryptic. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I know. I was just trying to set it up, you know. Uh, so, man, through counseling and therapy and tears, if I could go back and do it again, I would not have spanked my children. Mm. And I just apologized to them about that. It was like a whole sit down, come to Jesus, tears and snot, like, I messed up. That was a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents whooped me, clearly, because, mm-hmm. you know, and it's country black people. <laughs> Listen, I understand a few things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but I think about this. So. I love to tell this story. This is me, uh, generation one, right? My father, I was born in 1980. My father was born in 1939. My grandfather was born in 1899. And his father, my great-grandfather was born enslaved in 1847. So, so much of this trauma has been passed down through the generations. Mm-hmm. Um, I've only been spanked by my dad one time. It is one that I will never forget ever in my life. Seven swats with a belt. I cannot sit down for two days. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, we won't light fires in the grass anymore like we almost burned the house down um but uh where did he learn that probably from his dad who I've been told um beat him with a wet rope dragged through sand oh my gosh well where did he learn that from Probably his dad. Hold on one second. That is my dog. Hey, Kate. Thank you. (laughs) He wants to come join us. And I would let him if he wouldn't then turn around in two minutes and do the same thing trying to get out. Oh. And that's that's what's so frustrating is he went somewhere and then he gets there and he's like, okay, I went out now. Precious. Yeah. So, I mean, that is intense. Right. And so um, did I 
you know, spank my kids in the same manner? No. Um, and in a lot of ways, I would think like, oh, man, I, I'm not going to beat my kids like the way my parents beat me. But they they got spankings. You know, we had a the little plastic rulers, the floppy rulers like that was my go to. Um, it was traumatic for them. It was traumatic for them. And it had. Um, did it get them to do what I wanted them to do in the moment. Yes. It was a very effective tool, um, for controlling Mm -hmm. and disciplining, um, my small children, but it had a lasting effect, um, that I did not plan for that. It was not explained to me. You know, we, we joke with my siblings were like, Oh yeah, we got beat growing up, but we're okay. But it's like, are we though? Exactly. All of us have anxiety, like every single one of us. And quite honestly, you know, you talk about being authentic. I wet the bed until I was 11. Mm. Like that's not okay. Right. Right. And yet I would never speak ill of my parents. They did the very best that they could with what they had. Mm -hmm. I did the very best that I could as a mom. But I have learned over time, unfortunately, after the fact, there was definitely a moment um, when they were still, you know, adolescents where I'm like, "Mm, I don't think this is working. I think we should stop spanking. And we agreed to stop spanking. How old are your kids now? 21, 18, and 16. Mm. 16 in like a month. Um, but the damage was already done. I regret that. I do. If I could go back and do it again differently, I would. So, I mean, I don't think it's hard to say whether our parents regret it or not. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that my mom and I had argued about it whenever I told her I wouldn't spank my kids. Mm -hmm. And she's like, you know, look how good you turned out. Right. And that's like, well, at the time I wasn't really very successful and I'd, you know, been in trouble with the law and I did have anxiety and did, you know, I was dealing with all these different struggles and I hadn't even started to look at the big picture yet. I hadn't even started to unveil those traumas, those traumas yet. Now I know that I lived an entire life based out of guilt and shame and fear. That part. And that's, I luckily... Even before I unveiled that, I realized that I didn't want to spank my kids because that was, it didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. And there was, you know, there's a part, I did, I spanked one child of my four kids one time. And there was a moment that it was like, this feels wrong. Yeah. And I've tried, I've always tried to lead with my heart as a parent. And mm-hmm. whenever my heart felt bad after it, I was like, never again. Mm-hmm. because I did get, I got short-term results and I still feel like I have the most distant relationship with my, all of my children. I'm sorry, with her out of all of oh, my children. Yeah. And it's, and it's not something I can take back. Yeah. I apologized to her almost immediately and she yeah. complied about the thing. And it's like, but do I want to raise compliant children? That part. It's like, that's not, that's not on my list of, of qualities. Traits, I want yeah, like, to build instill. into my children. Yeah. Yeah, it's like compliance. Oh, and so that feel it feels icky. It, yeah, and it's 
taken me a while to get there and I'm sure there's more to unravel. And, and it's just like I told the girls, like, even though I'm apologizing here and now, um, this may come in layers for you. So if you have questions or you need to unpack something or say something like I'm here, this is just the start of a conversation Mm. and acknowledgement that I messed up. I messed up. I got that wrong. Um, and I, I want to take responsibility for it and, and whatever I need to do to help heal some of that. Like I'm here, I'm available. It's crushing. I mean, I'm talking to you very normally right now, but like, this has been like a crushing realization for me. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a heart hurt like big time. Yeah, uh, Derek and I touched briefly in our episode, uh, one of our episodes, about being authentic in parenthood, mm-hmm. and how you know he talks, he sits down with his kids every year at their birthday, and says, "Hey, this is my first time parenting an X year old, mm-hmm. or a, you know a middle child X year old, or whatever," and like really kind of downloads with them and and gets their their intake. And I'm like, man, that's so wise. Yeah. And that authenticity like that you're showing right now is like having that conversation of apologizing, saying I messed up. I didn't have that with my mom. No, and we'll never. I mean, she could say it now and it's like, it's it's definitely too late now. (laughs) Like you you've been you've had all the books about parenting still available to you for the last 30 years. And you've never said I'm sorry for. Yeah. You said, well, that was your fault because. And blame me for so much. And we yeah. don't actually talk right now. So mm. that's, you know, that's a hard thing. But to me, my mother has been toxic. Yeah. But to my brother, my mother has been toxic. Yeah. And so that's something we've had to deal with and separate ourselves from because we couldn't. I, I can't speak for my brother. For me, I couldn't Wait. heal and parent my kids properly with her involved mm. and making me still feel less than in my own life. And that's, that was hard. That was such a difficult thing to do was just, just not pick up the phone anymore. Not, not try. But that's, I believe that's a big part of authenticity is not saying I'll cut anybody off who doesn't appreciate me, but saying whenever this person starts to make me feel small in my life, maybe it's time, maybe this season is over. Yeah. And that's that's true. And sometimes it's people you love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I take my, my mom, she's sweet as apple pie. I mean, sweet. People love my mom. A lot of people call her Mama Helen. Mm -hmm. Like she is everybody's mama. And she was always so kind, jovial, full of life. But boy, oh boy, when it's time to get a whooping, it was like, like flip the script. She's somebody different, you know? Um, and I, you know, I was talking to my sister about this. We will never get an apology from our parents. <laughs> They're very old school. You know, my dad loves to say this. I've never been wrong. And even when I'm wrong, I'm right. Mm. Uh I, you know, he says it as a joke, but like, it's indicative of entire culture and generation. Bruh. Like, my dad's the same way. Yeah. He's 84. You're not about to tell him anything new. Like, he knows all the things. He's still in the 60s, but he definitely, 
he's he's softened considerably yes, with the grandkids, same. and I'm I'm really happy for that. Yes. But if I bring up anything from our childhood, like no, no, yeah, no. I will never again. I'm like, Dad, you did X Y. No, I never. I'm like, so I'm crazy. Okay, you know. Okay, Daddy, like love them. Yeah. Love them. And like I said, I believe in my heart of hearts, they did the very best that they could with what mm-hmm. they had. Um, I just want to, I want as much as I can leave the generational trauma. Like it should not carry forward. Right. And I, I feel like I'm in a mad dash to heal the hurts that I've already carried over. I mean, but you're like, I love the fact that you're trying because your kids have not had kids yet. So it's like, you've taken the opportunity before they've started to pass it on to at least acknowledge it and apologize and try to heal. Like that, I mean, that's all you can do. But it's a lot. It is a lot. Well, but I'm like, is it? Is that all I can do? I'm like, is there more? I'm here for it. I'm here for the journey. Mm -hmm. Um, The bleeding stops. (laughs) Like, Let's carterize this thing and like see what we can do to heal the wound. Like I want to get rid of the scars if I can, if there's time to do that. Um, and I told him, look, I'm not looking for a medal. I'm not looking for a badge. I'm bent over here. Like I am humbled. I am broken. Mm. I want to make this right as much as I can. Um, And I don't know what that looks like. Mm. Like, I don't even know what the journey ahead looks like, but I know that there needs to be an acknowledgement that what you guys experienced was traumatic and it was at my hand. Mm. I'm not going to speak for my ex-husband. Like, that's his own journey. I'm saying, from me to you, I am so very sorry. I apologize. And I want to make it right. And I don't expect you to know what that looks like in this moment, but I want you to know that I'm I'm here for that journey. I mean, just being being open to it is is such a big move. Yeah. Like it, it really is. And I hope that your children are able to see it and speak to you in a way that, you know, that they feel that you're open to having these conversations because having those conversations is where the, you know, it may not be the first conversation or the second one. It may be the 10th conversation about it where you actually have a breakthrough. Yeah. But just knowing that you can is a lot of time. I mean, it unlocks a new level of healing just in knowing that the, that it's there. Yeah. So like, I, I really applaud you for one, bringing it up and talking about it because it is, it's a hard thing to accept having experienced the shame of, you know, Spanking a child and regretting it uh, is it is a shameful thing. It yeah. feels bad and yeah. you feel like you betrayed the person who literally you you put on this earth and said, Trust me, I got you. Yeah. And then you you didn't you didn't have them. That's <laughs> so, hard. That, that hurts. Hurt. Yes. I had to cry on my own show. <laughs> Sorry. No, dude, no, like literally, I probably said, now stop it, because you're gonna get me going because <laughs> I'm a weeper. But I literally said something pretty much verbatim to that. You all didn't ask to be brought into this world. And I did not honor who you were. You were precious. 
You are a gift. You are a heritage. And I did not handle you with care. But you are now. I'm trying with my whole self. I I feel like those those moments, they could ripple out into everything that you've done. But by now going back and, you know, and taking responsibility, you're giving them a chance to edit their memories and and say, well, mom did care. You know, it's easy once somebody puts their hands on you, it's easy to let that bleed into everything else and say, this person didn't care about me because they put their hands on me. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Like we would never like hit our spouse <laughs> or a friend or my parents. But like, here's this beautiful, precious innocent child mm-hmm. oh my lord like i just i see it all i see it all together differently now and yeah sweeping up the mess i, I talk about I our made. our duty as parents and to me we have one job mm-hmm. like we are given these beautiful perfect beings and it is our job to bring them up in a way that they can represent that person mm-hmm. as well as possible as an adult. Yeah. Like, and you're protecting them from all the traumas that shave that person away. And whenever you act as that trauma, it's like the ultimate betrayal. Like, you know, and I'm not saying that for you. I'm saying, you know, dealing with no, my own true. feelings, you know, towards it is like, wow, you did that. Like mm-hmm. you had one job and not only did you do it or not do your job, you went and did the other job that you're supposed to be protecting against. Yeah. Part of being authentic is being able to look at things truthfully and honestly and call it what it is. And sometimes that's ugly. And you got to be able to accept it so that you can move on and create something beautiful. Beauty from ashes. That is, that is, ooh, that's what I'm trying to do right now. My mom is one of those people who claims to be super authentic, right? Mm -hmm. She's, you know, well, I'm as real as you can get. Like our her favorite phrase was, um, I don't write the news. I just report it as I see it. Mm-hmm. The problem with that kind of attitude is that often you don't take responsibility for anything. Mm-hmm. You just you pass everything off to being somebody else's problem or mm-hmm. somebody else created that. And you're just talking about it. But mm-hmm. you are creating a problem by doing that. And you only and, see <laughs> one side. Exactly. And me, I really want to be self-aware and like self-awareness is saying, here's what I'm not good at. Here's what I've done in the past. That was bad. Here's what I'm still doing. That's bad. I have to be able to look at those things and, you know, and really face them and be vulnerable to letting them shape me and saying like, I know that this thing is a weakness for me and I have to, I have to know that or else I can't improve it. You can't improve weaknesses that you don't, um, you don't acknowledge. Yeah, that's real. That's real. I'm so. I thank you so much for sharing that with me. Like I, I, I know that there are a lot of people working in the fire department, especially. I had this argument all the time about spanking your kids. Mm-hmm. Like, well, what if they're doing something? It's like I don't care. Like I don't. There's, there's a, a better way, and I might not way. even know what that is today. And obviously, my kids are way too old too. Yeah, I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out, but yeah. I know that that way it may have created compliance. But I don't want compliance. I don't want obedient children. Mm-hmm. Like I want resourceful and um, authentic thinkers. I want people who can provide joy and sustenance and fulfillment mm-hmm. in their own life. And you don't do that by 
complying and being obedient. You do it by asking questions and, you know, and figuring things out and strategizing and, you know, really working through problems. Like none of that was teaching that. Yeah. So if it's not really serving that purpose, then what am I doing? Yeah. So I'm still working on it. Still trying to figure out what you do whenever your kids are not, (laughs) are not doing what you want them to do. And, you know, we went through a phase where it was like, all right, we're going to, if we're, if your character is going to be weak, we're going to build your body. And so it was like, you'd 15 pushups, you, you know, you're annoying your sister to no end. That was okay, but it still, it still felt a little punitive, mm-hmm. a little, uh, a little bit on the, a little too heavy on the shame guilt mm-hmm. from their reaction. Yeah. And still, I still believe on it sometimes because I still don't have anything better. Mm-hmm. Like I still, I wish that there was like some system that somebody figured out. It's like plug like in this system. Like, <laughs> I've read several of them and they still, they say, this is what your kid is. This is how you nurture your child. And you know, when, whenever things are going wrong, if you just talk to them, it's like, that's not really true. You can talk to them and they will maybe not do it again. But whenever things, when, when a child is doing something that's driving you crazy, you can try to feed them, give them, you know, emotional support, um, try to figure out something going wrong with them. But sometimes they're just in a, they're just in a way. And yeah. you you can't just let it continue because there's other people in the house who are sacrificing themselves for them to be that way. And that's where the parenting books fail for me is because they almost exist in a vacuum or it's like there's one kid and this one kid is making all the other kids suffer. Now, what do I do now? There's probably the book. I just haven't found the book. Yeah. And I don't think it's been written yet. <laughs> no uh, one's cracked the code. I, mean, I wish they would. I really wish they would. Yeah. Um, and then yet it evolves, I think, depending on the culture, American culture. It's very interesting, especially right now. We've got social media and airbrushed pictures and it's a very sexual, uh, sex driven culture mm. and drugs and hypersexualized, very hypersexual. Um, so there, there's a lot of emphasis on that. Um, and not really valuing humans. I mean, so those are some of the, you know, negative things at the same time, we're in a very innovative mm-hmm. culture, lots of ideas and technology. And some of these things can be really great. And so it's hard to try and find a path that you want to build for your child. And yet, and still, I don't get to decide which path my kids take. Oh my gosh. That's, that's so I do hard. not get to decide. Um, just this is this is a true story. Um, today is Tuesday, so um, it was Sunday. Was it Sunday? It was Sunday night that we're having a talk with my oldest daughter. Um, she moved home a few months ago because she was going to transfer from OU to UCO. And just Sunday night, so that's been the plan, but just Sunday night, she's like, yeah, I think either I go back to Norman and go back to OU or take another semester off. And I'm like, what happened to the plan? And it's like, okay, I have to back up. This is not my life. Like in the middle of the conversation, I'm like, "Mm, let me back up. 
I'm over here projecting. Wow. And that's so hard. Mm. Wow. Mm. It is mm. difficult. Talk about self-awareness. Man. Well, I, I mean, I had to, and I told her, I said, let me just stop right here. Like whatever you need, like if school is too much right now, you want to take oh, some time, time out. Okay. So we can pick back up now. Had a little bit of a technical difficulty there. So you were saying, I just listened back to it. You were talking about projecting your your vision on your child. Yeah. So, you know, mid-conversation as she's switching gears, she was supposed to be going from UC, uh, from OU to UCL and she, she was going to stay at home. And I thought we had a plan. And she's like, I want to do something different. And I could hear myself sort of projecting what I wanted and what I thought her path should be. And I had to stop myself mid conversation just to pull back um, and say, essentially, whatever you need Mm. during this season. Like, I trust you to make the best decisions for your life. Um, And if you need some support, we are here to support you. And together, we came up with a plan. But it wasn't my plan. And I did not push my plan. Um, and that's a hard thing to do mm-hmm. <laughs> as a parent. <laughs> um, but also, and she loves to throw this in my face. And she is really good at this. She says, Mom, trust your parenting. Oof. How dare you? <laughs> the audacity <laughs> to put that in my face. Okay. All right. She was like, do you not trust your own parenting? I'm your child. You raised me. Like, man, okay, let me back up. That's hard. It's hard. So, um, yeah, she's going back to you. (laughs) Boomer sooner. So, I mean, I'm happy. Well, you know, as a, you know, that's my alma mater twice over. But I've also let them know, you know, because, you know, OU fans are they can be hardcore. So I've let all of my kids know, like, yes, OU uh, fan, big OU fan. Like, that's my alma mater. That's my home base. But I will support you wherever you go, even mm. if that it's that other university in Stillwater. <laughs> I will put uh, on some oh, orange I'm and okay black. I'm okay with that one. The other orange one, I, I would have. Which other orange one? Oh, yeah, that place. That would be I don't a even problem. know what you're talking about. Is that like it? I'm like, oh, that, that college does not exist for our family. Like, you know, that it one's... is so hard to get into that school. They do really? not like Oklahoma students. Well, good. We don't like them either. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's okay. One of my, my, my Chinese babies, she was trying to get in there. Um, and they just, I mean, historically, having worked at a high school, they just historically do not. Except a lot of, it's hard to get in anyway, even as a Texas resident, but they don't accept a lot of outsiders. Mm. It's interesting. And to this day, I don't know anybody personally that graduated from there. And I can say I have the pleasure of not knowing anybody personally either, because mm-hmm. we might apply it. So talking about letting, like giving space for your daughter to honor herself. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, for one, that is a, it's a big self-aware move, but 
where do we start to separate authenticity from ourself into someone we created? Like, mm. I, I mean, it's really easy to slip into dreaming through our children. Yeah. I, I've done it myself. And it's it was a hard thing to break whenever they went the other way. Yeah. Letting go is hard. Um, I think if I had practiced it along the way, I would probably be mm. better prepared for having a 21-year-old and an 18-year-old. Um, but I get to learn from my mistakes and practice on the 16 year old. Um, And she is in a space where she's starting to make her own decisions. And this is a safe place to do it, right? It's a safe age. She still is at home and has the safety net of three parents who are, you know, here to support you along the way. And so starting to let her make some decisions on her own. And uh, some of those things I'm like, "Mm, I can see the consequences coming from that, but okay, I'm gonna let you do that. And some of them, I think I know, but I really don't. Right. And then there are some things that just surprise me in the best way. Like I'm learning things about her. She's learning things about herself. Um, And I'm learning new ways of doing things by watching her. Um, Once again, learning and growing. So I think at a certain point, you just have to start letting go. Mm. Kind of 16 is a good age. I mean, I'm sure some people would argue before. I'm new to this, not true to this. Um, (laughs) But then, you know, especially this college area is a good space for them to learn and grow and fall and get back up and learn from those um, mistakes and hopefully grow and fly from there. Absolutely. And I I definitely, I want to echo that sentiment because I went into college having had my life run for me, Mm -hmm. you know, all the decisions were out of my hands. You know, I was not like, an extremely controlled child because I did what I was supposed to do. Like I made good grades. I was, you know, taking part in all the school activities, you know, was an extracurricular. So there wasn't a whole lot of like, no, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. But I didn't make the decision to do any of that myself. I was just shepherded from thing to thing by my mom Mm -hmm. or my dad or my stepdad. Like they told me, Hey, here's the things you're doing. And I just was, Okay. And I got to college and that void was massive. Mm-hmm. And instead of learning to just step up and do it myself, I let people who were not, they didn't have my best interest at heart at all, start making decisions for me because I was so used to not being in control of the wheel. And I got into trouble. Like it, I got kicked out of OU. Mm-hmm. You know, I went to jail. I did a mm-hmm. lot of things that weren't true to myself because I just let other people make the decisions because I had no practice doing it. Mm -hmm. So that's something I want to try to, to avoid for my children is that, is that power void of somebody controlling your life. I want them to be in control of their lives from early on, but also feel like they have guidance that they can trust and they can still come back to. Yeah. I don't want them to be afraid to pick up the phone and call me. That's, that's one of the, the biggest things I got from my own uh, childhood is that I don't remember a time that I was ever in trouble that I didn't fear calling my parents. Mm. It wasn't like my, my dad could help me with this. 
Yeah. I was like, man, I have to call my dad and tell him about this. And I'm against, you know, there was all these other thoughts that were never like, he could help me figure this out. And that's what I want to be for my kids is my dad, my dad will help me figure this out. Yeah. That's, the goal. that's it. That's the goal. And it's not a bad one. Um, I don't know where I'm at. Um, definitely my kids have called me in the time of trouble. Um, I don't know that they've called me every time. Right. And I share with them, like, I don't have to be that trusted adult in your life. I want to be, but I, at the end of the day, I just want you to have one. Mm-hmm. I, was, I remember telling my oldest, like, your counsel, your only counsel can't be yourself or your friends. Right. Like, that's it. Like, you know, it's a small sample. Diversify, <laughs> baby girl. Yeah. You got to diversify just so you can, mm-hmm. you know, see things from different perspectives, but get some trusted adults in your life. And I think she's, she definitely has some. I'm like, I'm jealous. Like, I don't, it's like you say that and I can, can see how that's really good advice. I'm like, I want to be that person. Don't call somebody else. Oh, <laughs> like, of call, course. Call me, please. Please. Let, let me, me be the trusted counselor. Yeah, I definitely want to be that person. Um, and sometimes I am. And even when those moments come, <laughs> um, I'm sure if they're listening, they're laughing. Um, I have this thing that I do where they're like, mom, prepare yourself. And I'm like, okay, great. Give me a moment. And it's like, all right, I'm ready. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Cause, uh, you know, it may not be good news. Mm. I'm hearing like, we might be in a pickle jar and we need to okay. figure out <laughs> how to get out the pickle jar. And it's like, okay, all right, I'm ready. Or sometimes they'll say, okay, I'm having this problem. I'm like, hmm, okay. Hold on, give me a moment. Mm. And I have to go through all the things. They're coming to you for help. This is a good thing. This is not an uncommon challenge. Like, you know. Right. Uh, and like, all right, I'm ready. And sometimes I have to, like, I said, let me go into girlfriend mode. Like, mm-hmm. just because if I go into mama mode, I'm going to be like, what are you doing? You know, mm-hmm. I can't believe, you know, but I can't. I want them to trust me. I want them to come to me. And I want to make sure that they're getting good counsel. And so if they're willing to share and be open, I think that's a good thing. Sometimes we yeah. might need to prepare ourselves, take a pause. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I think this has been a, a very insightful conversation. And I could keep talking all day, but for one, I have to edit that. And that's, <laughs> that's too much Nobody work. wants to edit the wrong <laughs> podcast. But for... People who liked this conversation and want to hear more of you, where can they find out more about Regina Joy Lane? You can, this is really hard. So pen and paper, reginajoy.com. Oh, that's super hard. So hard. <laughs> I'm telling you. But R-E-G-I-N-A-J-O-Y.com. Everything's there. Social medias, services provided, newsletter all the things excellent and you've got your podcast coming podcast yes so be looking for that to debut second week of august and right now it will be we'll have new episodes every two weeks until i get my feet under me Um, happens quick yes (laughs) um and get a nice flow of editing and all of that i would love to do it every week i think that this episode should air 
the week after you air. Oh, perfect. So I think that, you know, if you want to send people this way, it's like, if you enjoyed listening, go listen to me again. on. Yes. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can hear more from me at the woman every day podcast. If you want to learn more about that, reginajoy.com forward slash podcast. Love it. Well, Regina, thank you so much. And to our listeners, if you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and check out earlier episodes as well to help support the future creation of great content. You can also follow me at Authentic Identity Management on Instagram, Facebook, Threads, and LinkedIn. Our YouTube channel is Authentic Bruce on YouTube. Um, that's all one word. They will We will have the full conversation from today up there, unfiltered, uncut. So you can see all of our little snafus by our, I mean mine. Um, (laughs) And finally, if you are struggling to show up as yourself in your content, your brand, or your life, I would love to help you. Authentic Identity Management does brand coaching to help you align yourself with the identity you want to share with the world. It's exhausting to live someone else's life. Live authentically and access the potential that belongs only to you. You can contact me on social or email me at bruce at authenticidentitymanagement.com for a free 30-minute consultation. Um, I'm just going to say thank you again to Regina. I really I, th- I really enjoyed this conversation. I, I, I told my wife the other day, I'm going to have to stop saying this at some point, but that was a really good conversation. I feel like every week it gets better and better. <laughs> She's like, that's a good thing. And I was like, I think so. But I feel like I'm just sullying the conversation I had before by saying this one was so good. But I, I really hope that people found something they can take away and think on and challenge themselves to, you know, to grow a little bit more. Um, as always, I'm your host, Bruce Alexander. This has been Off the Nick on Air. Until next time, be yourself, love yourself. Bye.